0: Welcome to Hey Let's Talk About Podcast, where each week I call up a friend and together we dive into a different topic about life and the world around us. Today I am joined by Emily, but her name is also Robin, but it's actually Emily. (laughs) Hi! (laughs) Hi! Why is your name Robin, but also Emily?
1: Long story, and I'm glad you asked, Madalena. (laughs) Um, Maybe you should tell it because you came, was it you who came up with it?
0: Uh, I think it, it was partly me we go to a camp together every year don't we we do. I talked about this camp in the last episode actually. i heard that yeah oh thank you for listening i know we were just sitting on a bench having a great time <laughs> and a robin came up and flew in your face right, and we were babe. searching for a nickname for you anyway because at this camp like one in every 10 people is called emily True. like literally there's True. like so many emily's so at many. this camp and yeah. so we were like we We need a unique name for you. You can't just be Emily number four or whatever. (laughs) So we decided that because this Robin literally just flew into your face, it seemed like destiny, did it not?
1: Yeah. And it's stuck. (laughs) It's stuck. It has stuck. It feels weird to call you Emily. I
0: can't not call you Emily. Can I tell
1: you my like, Ultimate weird Emily story. Go on. So I was sitting down to breakfast before school, as you do, and I go on my phone and I have this like DM request, and I was joined to this group chat of a bunch of different Emilys. It was so weird. It was the same first and last name, and we were all just in this group chat, and I have no idea who made it. I think you told me about this. You told it? Just some some
0: random person made a whole group chat of just heaps of Emilys. Yeah. Just because. And then,
1: and then the Emily's on the chat were arguing about who was the best Emily. And I was like, I'm out of this. I'm out of this. We're not good people. I'm done. Well, here. then
0: you're clearly the best Emily for not arguing with yeah, the other Emilys. The most mature. So let's get to know you a little bit, okay. Robin. If you had to live <laughs> on a desert island, what would the sea be made of? And what would the island be made of?
1: I feel You have asked me this before. And I think I'm going to get the same answer as I did last time. The Canadian in me really wants a pancake island and a maple syrup sea <laughs> but i realise that's not really a dessert or maybe it is i don't know but can i say, say that does that qualify yeah you can say that and then you could have like raspberries and blueberries on the island and it would go really well with the pancake yeah I'd so eat my way off the island. (laughs) I had um, bacon
0: maple pancakes for the first time a couple months ago, and it was glorious. It was so good, and I really want it again. That really does sound glorious. So, today we're talking about
1: education. Woo, we love it. (laughs) You sounded so, so (laughs) unenthusiastic. That was meant meant to sound more enthusiastic. (laughs) Woo, is that better? You can cut that in.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, we both have grown up in the British school system. We have. Well, I actually, I lived in Australia for like six and a half years. So I did grow up in the Australian system as well. But it's not, it's not like, it's not too different. I think... In Australia, the year follows like the actual calendar year. So the year ends at Christmas and then Mm. start again in January. So I I felt really strange starting in September. It makes so much more sense. It does make more sense. I don't know why we do it like that here. Oh, I guess so you can have a huge summer, right?
1: But But then I feel like if I started in January, I'd be super weirded out
0: yeah but I get why other countries do that I get what you mean when we um when we moved from Australia to England I missed half of year four and sometimes I use that as an excuse, as an excuse for why I like say something stupid I'm like shut up I missed half of year four I'm a year behind you Wow, <laughs>
1: half, not even a whole year half a year yeah do you
0: want to just talk
1: about your
0: experience in school or yeah
1: I'll go for it go for it so I grew up in Birmingham for the first eight years of my my life And I went to your very bog standard average state school. But then at the end of the summer between year three and year four, uh, we moved down to where we live now in Devon. And um, that was the biggest culture shock I think I've ever had. <laughs> and it was like half a country. I don't know how you went. across <laughs> seas. I then moved into a private school, an all girl private school from a very average state school. And I remember uh, meeting all of these girls and there was only like a class of 25 and it was just so weird because I felt so left out because I didn't live on a farm and I didn't ride a horse and I didn't get driven to school on a Land Rover. Like I walked to school like a peasant and, um... <laughs> <laughs> it was lots to come to terms with no we had a girl in my class and her like one of her relatives like judged yachts for a living like oh, that was wow. what he did I know she was really living the life anyway <laughs> um, I learned the most about people and about myself arguably in those like first six months of moving and then I haven't moved schools since <laughs> and now you're doing your A-levels in the same exact yeah the same exactly <laughs> I mean different building but but like. Oh wow, yeah. what a move. I know, it was crazy. <laughs> it was really crazy. I mean, it's had its pros and its cons. Yeah, going in on. the same space. Well, like, you know your teachers really, really well. Mm. So my English teacher has taught me English since year nine. No, year eight. One of those. And um, now he's teaching me A-level. So I guess that's good that you really know your teachers really well and they know how you work. And that's. A really easy teacher-student relationship but on the other hand I mean it's all girls and being all girls is a definite it's interesting it's in- I don't know how you feel about this I don't go to an all-girls school. No, but like you did. I did, I did. Do you want to hear my four observations of all-girls school girls? And we'll see which one you fit into. Okay. Okay, so my first is the the girls who are there and they know so many boys and you have no idea how. Right. You know? Yeah. And then the second are those girls who are like super career focused. Like they will cut off friends. They will cut off family. Like they are getting that career. Yeah. They are getting (laughs)
0: those A-stars. Yeah.
1: They are. They're usually the ones going into medicine, but not always. And then the third type is the one who wants to leave who hates it (laughs) is so over it Um, and just wants to go I was definitely the third type (laughs) yeah Um, and then the fourth type is the desperate type which I probably am that's you that's so me I wasn't going to admit to it you haven't seen a boy in like five years (laughs) what do they look like yeah and they are the most common type I think you'll find in Mm. an all school have you listened to that song um posh girls uh by who oh i don't know who it's by oh but it's if you listen to it it's it's absolutely hilarious most accurate representation (laughs) of an all-girls school ever maybe if you're under the age of 15 maybe don't listen to it but um (laughs) it's really really funny and they the girls in that song are definitely the fourth type of girl that's what i've learned that is (laughs)
0: just so true i can think of i can think of people that fit those
1: categories (laughs) But the people who say that they don't fit a category are so the ones who are in the desperate category, but are in self-denial. Anyway. (laughs)
0: Like I said before, I went to an Australian primary school up until half of year four. (laughs) And then from year five onwards, for the rest of primary school, I was at this British primary school. Then I went to a pub, no, state school. Do you know what? I've never figured this out in this country.
1: (laughs) Is it a public school or a state school where you don't pay to go? Right. It's confusing because public used to mean that you paid, I think, and state meant that you didn't pay. But now private means that you pay and public means that you don't pay. Okay, I went to a school where I didn't pay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just say state just say state
0: i, I went to a state school and it was quite terrible and i did not have a good time and so in year nine i moved to also i moved to an all girls private school which we love at, it we love it <laughs> at first it was a really good move it was a lot better yeah. than the state school that i was going to yeah but over the years it you know you you, realize that there aren't it's like it's not so great and there are a lot of mm. terrible things happening and you know lots of lots of drama I didn't have the you know, fun time <laughs> the energy to keep up with it <laughs> and so the the more time that I've spent away from that school the more I realize actually it was qu- it wasn't very, I don't know how I can say this in a nice way for people. Go but for it, go, go to for that it. School. but it. It, <laughs> it wasn't a very nice environment, to be honest. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, that's so going to be me when I leave. I'm going to be know. like, I can't
0: believe I did that for 10 I, years. Because yeah. it, it's like such a small bubble. And so when you're there, you're like, mm. oh, this is great. But actually,
1: I'm not there. I'm like... I'm so, so glad that I'm not there. <laughs> it's difficult because I think for me, I'll definitely look back with so much nostalgia as well. Mm. I guess you don't have that, but
0: uh, I, like, I, I do. I do a little bit, yeah.
1: But now you go
0: to a uh, state school again. You reverted. A college, yes, I do. And I, I love it. I'm having a great time. It's a really, really big college because the, the school I was at before is so, so tiny. So it's mm-hmm. quite a huge jump to then suddenly go to this huge college that also had boys in it. And I was like, ooh, Wow. Just going to go. It's actually it's it's like great. It's fine. I'm um, I'm yeah, living your best life. Uh I wouldn't say living my best life <laughs> as much as you can with A levels. As much as I can at the moment with my life.
1: Yeah. I'm doing what I can. Yeah.
0: There are there are some things that I do miss about the private school, but very, very mm. few. The cons outweigh the pros. Do
1: you reckon? What do you miss? I,
0: I miss my old geography teacher. She was so lovely. <laughs> she was so disorganized. Yeah. Very lovely. And my music teacher, he would he used to buy us dominoes. What? I know. Um that is it, actually. Uh, do you miss the school lunches? Um no there, i mean there was more there was okay. more variety there than there is at college at college it's like we live in cornwall you must eat a pasty every day <laughs> pasty sorry um cause there's a little bit of australian in me so i can't believe you've just said that i know i get bullied for saying pasty all the time
1: apparently i say curry wrong what like an indian curry did you just try to say curry see apparently <laughs> i say it wrong you say it wrong <laughs> you say curry curry It's curry curry But like applying to uni, and I've applied to Durham, but I've been calling it Durham this whole time. Durham, Durham. I thought you were gonna. So I've been getting slated at school. (laughs)
0: You started talking about uni. I thought you were gonna be like, oh, I was at an interview and they asked me
1: about curry, and then I didn't (laughs) get application because
0: I called curry
1: curry. Yeah. No, imagine. That would happen to me, though. That would so happen to me.
0: (laughs) Let's move on from our own experiences. This is just this is just two girls that went to private schools just chatting about how they kind of hate going to private schools. So all of that aside, I think that education It's not this isn't even my opinion. This is just the truth. Education is one of the most important things for self and the economy agreed it's I can't stress this enough it is so so important and as much as I kind of hate to say that because I don't enjoy going to school I know that it's very very important (laughs) for my own future and the future of the society and my own you know economy and everything yeah yeah we just started doing this in geography actually I really regret taking geography I dislike it but (laughs) I geography, do stuff I hate. About the world. I I <laughs> told my teacher that I hated geography the other day. He was talking about how funding has gone down. We as pupils are worth about £800 less than pupils were worth 10 years ago, apparently. That's, That's what he so was weird. Saying. That, that is not awesome in my opinion so he was like how many of you in this class are doing a subject that you hate and I had my hand shot straight up and he was like is it geography I was like uh no. yeah no <laughs> and we have two different, s- separate classes for physical geography and human geography uh. and he's my human geography teacher and I prefer physical and he was like you better prefer human geography right right and I was like uh no okay and he was like yeah just say yes
1: i was like yes (laughs) and you just insulted his life's work but
0: carry on (laughs) (laughs) no he said he didn't mind anyway yeah we've been learning about this in geography about
1: how important education is for Mm. the Mm -hmm. and as much as like i complain about my education i'm so so lucky to have gone to a live in a country where education is free and then to be like in a school that is so focused on like my career and progressing me and I'm so lucky to have that mm. especially as a girl for like... sure and
0: as, as, as much as I also complain about my private school <laughs> it did yeah it, it did provide me with a lot of confidence especially mm. in mm-hmm. drama and singing which are two things that I pretty much thrive on and thrive base my life on now yeah yeah like before I moved to that school I was like oh I do like drama classes and it is kind of what I'd like to do but I don't know about it then after I went I was like I am confident and I know that this is i can't
1: I think of you without drama that's so weird i know to think that you were like shy imagine yeah because I'm- you're always so up for like acting and singing that's just like your thing
0: i was quite shy actually until i remember this very one specific uh, moment in in year six actually where we were what doing- a year <laughs> we were doing auditions for annie the musical and it was the singing auditions and you just have to go up in front of everyone else in the whole year and just sing and so the auditions were closing and they were like okay does anyone else want to go up and they were like just about to close out I was really like panicking in my head and I was like do you know what oh just do it you know just do it and so <laughs> I did and I got I got a principal role I got um the secretary oh wow for Walmart, or whatever he's called um and go you. on I was like actually do you know what I can be confident um and I know that was year six and that sounds kind of stupid but I <laughs> my confidence has grown a lot
1: that's pretty profound for a kid
0: in year six yeah thank you (laughs) so not obviously not only if you have a good education you can get a good job and then whatnot that just leads to more Mm. income better life yeah but also the more skills you have from education the better ability you can do with a variety of different jobs Mm -hmm. um and the higher skilled you are it attracts you know investment from other countries Mm -hmm. and larger number of skilled workers means that you have more tax income so the economy is doing better I guess so all of these different factors
1: wow you threw some mad economics into that I know (laughs) I know it's crazy (laughs) look at you go oh yeah I think the most valuable thing that we'll get from our education is learning how to learn Mm. if that makes sense yes like you learn how to process information and then do it or like you learn loads of people skills or maybe you learn how to procrastinate (laughs) or like but I think those are really I think it's a really valuable things that you'll learn maybe not procrastination but learning how to learn other things so that you become become skilled yeah so like you leave school you don't know what you want to do and then suddenly you want to become a plumber (laughs) I don't know why but you want to become a plumber And you have learned how to learn how to become a plumber. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is quite valuable for a society.
0: Yeah. And if you have a wider range of skills as well, then if you quit your job, you're more able to do training for like a year and then go into another job. Whereas if you mm-hmm. haven't really had a training or education, then it's more difficult to quit your job. Like it's quite a privilege, actually, to be able to have the resources and the money to quit your job and go on to something that you more enjoy or something that's better for you Mm.
1: because
0: there's a lot of people in the world that you know they
1: hate their job but
0: they have to stay in it Mm.
1: Mm -hmm. isn't it something maybe I read this somewhere or something like that our generation will change jobs like three times whereas previous generations would have got out of school had a job and then just ran with that for the rest of their lives really yeah
0: I was expecting you to say it was the other way around I thought that older generations had heaps of jobs
1: oh no because like if you were like a garage man i don't know you fixed cars you would have fixed cars for the rest of your life because if you come out of school at 14 you haven't got we're talking like 40s but um oh i don't know maybe that's not true You've got me doubting myself.
0: <laughs> no, I can no, I can see how that works though.
1: Yeah, and apparently with like technology and stuff, we're gonna be changing jobs way more.
0: No, that makes sense actually, and I feel like there's quite a wide variety of jobs now, especially in mm. like the technology field than there was a hundred years ago now yeah there's so many more jobs about in like media and coding and yeah all these different things
1: whereas all those things which i can't do the- yeah <laughs> <those> things- yeah it <laughs> um, was before it was like there were more jobs in like practical manual labor stuff yeah oh this is
0: another geography term actually there's like more tertiary and quaternary jobs now it's like with the research sector but then before there would have been more like secondary kind of jobs you
1: are really throwing out this geography today i know it's great it's relevant it's kind of weird to think about isn't it how we how like our jobs have evolved
0: yeah and how in the future yeah some jobs will just completely not exist
1: but like it's kind of the death of the working class isn't it because the jobs that where you go to work and then you finish work and then you leave your work at work and then you go home and it's just manual what you're doing that's kind of ending. You can get a computer to do that.
0: Oh, you mean like office work and that?
1: Or like, I don't know, fixing cars, washing windows. Like, you can get a machine to do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I
1: know. You I mean, know. Not right now, but eventually. But it's interesting that we talk about this, and then globally, you have so many kids who can't read and write. But we, as the Western world, are talking about all these machines and stuff who are taking over our jobs. You have it's such a disparity in education gap. Yeah,
0: for sure. I was just about to go on to that actually. I oh have, wow! I, I know. Look at that segue. Yeah. I have some um, like facts and figures that I thought were really um, important that I might say.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: so around the world, fifty nine million children of primary school age are being denied education and almost 65 million adolescents are without access to secondary school. Um, A child whose mother can read is 50% more likely to survive past the age of five. Nearly 15 million girls of primary school age will never have the opportunity to learn to read and write in primary school, compared to about 10 million boys. Mm-hmm. It would take 39 billion US dollars every year to send all adolescents to school. Over 40 years, access to quality education can help a country raise its gross domestic product per capita by 23%, and if all women had primary education, there would be 1.7 million fewer malnourished. Na- Malnourished children. Wow, (laughs) butchered the last one there, but you
1: were doing so well. Some hard facts, though.
0: I know you get the idea. We're talking about like what it is to live in a private school, but it's very it's very easy. Sorry to forget that millions and millions Mm. of children around the world do not have access to any kind of education.
1: And it's so crazy how much of an effect uh, teaching girls has on a community. Like you teach the girls, they become women, and then you have a far healthier community because they're like the homemakers, you know?
0: And I can't remember the exact statistics, but women that do have an education are likely to have less children as well. Yeah, which I've is heard that. For their own life and economy. Yeah.
1: It makes it a bit easier.
0: For, yeah, they don't have to pay
1: for their <laughs> <Yeah>. child's life. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's so crazy how it's just so different globally. I think that's mad. And it makes me feel bad for complaining about private school
0: <laughs> That that's why at the start I was like I know I don't like being at school but I know I, I
1: need to not take it yeah. that it is very important we are so lucky so Can't lucky it, you know, yeah and I was thinking about this earlier like even doing a podcast like this we're so lucky that we can just speak freely like we're not gonna get persecuted for what we say on this and it's not going to be monitored I don't know I was I was doing some Nazi Germany revision on censorship so that's why that came up right (laughs) there was a link
0: in developing countries, on average, women spend about half an hour collecting water a day, which is mm. half an hour that they could be in education. Yeah. And half an hour doesn't seem like a lot, but it, it, you know if you add it up over years of their life, that's a lot of time that they could yeah. be spending in education. So it's all really connected in yeah. actually developing countries about the economy and education, that they are intertwined in the fact that they both help each other and only when they are both stable and helping each other can the the economy like really thrive Mm
1: -hmm. did you i don't i don't know like how factual this is but I've read loads about uh, like girls when they get their period and then they take weeks off of school because they have their period and they don't have sanitary product. Mm. Like it's it's such a massive I mean it impacts my life but it has such a massive impact on their lives and their education and how that affects them going forward and what they learn and what they don't learn. Imagine having your period and then not having any sanitary product. I mean, what a nightmare.
0: Oh, I don't even want to I don't even want to think. <laughs>
1: But oh, it's like uh, such a reality for these girls for sure. who just don't have that. And then to have that impact your education would be super frustrating because you'd always be behind all the boys in your class who've been there every day.
0: So you uh, wrote your EPQ, was it? Is that what yes, it was? yes. You wrote your EPQ on uh, primary education, didn't you? And SATs.
1: I did, yeah. I did.
0: Do you want to talk about that for a bit?
1: Sure. First of all, I would like to say if you're thinking about taking an EPQ think about it very carefully because it took up it took up my summer basically trying to write this thing so my epq was about key stage two sat the ones you do at the end of year six um before you go into secondary and i was looking at the difference between high stakes testing and low stakes testing and high stake is when there's a consequence for either the pupil the school or like the jurisdiction that the school's in and low stakes is when there's no consequence and the sats tests are high stakes for the school right so if a school badly, Oster gets involved and it gets like messy. It's less high stakes for the pupil. However, when you have high stakes on schools, it trickles down to the pupils and pupils really resonate off of that stress. Right. Which makes them stress, which then like ruins the whole purpose of the test because then you're getting inaccurate data because all your pupils are taking it stress, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and you also have pupils who aren't doing as well and have disadvantaged homes, English as a second language, learning disabilities. And they may not actually take that test themselves. <laughs> yeah. But um that instills this mentality within them that they're doing less well than their peers and that they're somehow dumber than their peers. And I think that can be a really toxic mindset. To instill in a 10 year old, an 11 year old. Like for, sure. for me, so much of my education has come from this like courage that, okay, I can do this if I like put my mind to it, you know, I can, I will be able to figure this out. But if you're at 10 and you're thinking, oh, I can't do this because i'm too dumb to even comprehend this then that is so toxic to your whole education career um so i argued in the end that sats the high stakes nature of the sats tests were unnecessary basically Mm. and a lot of taxpayers money goes into the tests themselves and so it's just pointless and especially because they test at the beginning of year seven yeah
0: it's just a a money waste and and a stress stressful I mean, isn't it low
1: stakes tests are helpful because it puts all year sixes on the same page teachers know how their kids are doing um and then government knows how the schools are doing but the second you put like consequences on it the whole point of the system kind of begins to fall apart a bit yeah so that was that that was That's your epq was in <laughs> <of> my life <laughs> what does epq actually stand for extended project qualification oh that sounds so much fun <laughs> Bro. and it does like help with your uni application a bit which may have been like the only reason I did it but um yeah. you spent so much time on that I remember <laughs> yeah and I think it's mainly because like I'm quite like a slow processor in a way so it was like it took me longer to like right. actually put pen to paper and write what I was saying like right. I really enjoyed the research but then actually writing the essay and I was like nah yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it was over my summer holidays too like I mean for lots of people SATs doesn't really have a massive effect on their lives like the kids will just do them they'll go on to secondary it will all be fine it's not like if you do badly on your SATs you can't go to a specific school and it is higher stakes if you're if you have um, learning disability or you're just you have a disadvantaged home or English isn't your first language the SATs can become something that's really daunting and really hard because you you're not at the same level that every other child is at so like my brother he has a learning disability and so he was quite a bit behind his class especially in year six I remember for ages he was learning how to read like analog clock so and having SATs uh, I can't remember if he did take them or not but that kind of started this mentality within him that he failed everything and that he was less smart than all the other kids and at such a young age that's such a harmful thought to start having for sure in my thesis or whatever I was arguing about the effect of um, even if the tests don't really affect like what school you go to they still have a massive effect on the mentality of the child especially if they're already struggling Mm. I think as teenagers or children you can be really receptive to how stressed your teacher is right I mean I don't know if you've experienced this but if you have a stressy teacher it makes you way more nervous to like learn and it stresses you out a bit for sure yeah 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 and so that comes down onto the kids and so these kids are stressed about the SATs, even if it doesn't have that massive an impact on them.
0: That's definitely something that children that young should not be going through. Mm. Of course, exams at any age, literally any age are going to cause stress. But yeah. at that young of an age, that's not what you should be dealing with. Worrying about. <laughs>
1: it would be interesting for like when i have kids if i have kids and they go through sats and i'll be like what do you think you'd tell
0: them if if sats
1: still exist what do you think you'd um, tell them i tell them not to stress too much about it um because they're gonna get tested at the beginning of year seven anyway right but also like just just to try their best on the day and if it and if what they get is bad then that's just you had a bad day like it's not your worth isn't in these SATs tests. But it's hard if you have a perfectionist child and who's always been super competitive and always at the top, then these SATs can be really important for them to like prove their worth. So it's trying to break away that. Your worth is in your grades mentality.
0: I can't actually remember what I got in my Sats, but I think I did really well. And to this yeah. day, I'm like, oh, I peaked in year six. I've just gone downhill <laughs> from there. Like yeah. honestly, at the start of like secondary school, I was doing so well, and since I've just gone so down. <laughs> and actually, Aww. this this year, I'm I'm improving again. So
1: you know, oh, maybe look, I was it's just had. Up.
0: I know, maybe I just had a little dip of like five. <laughs> (laughs) years or so
1: (laughs) but like what you're talking about like peaking in year six that's the experience of lots of the population do really well in their SATs and it's fine and it's not an issue for them. Like I was saying, disadvantaged kids, it does have an effect because it brings in that mentality of them being failures. Yeah, And it's something crazy like 60% of the population is either disadvantaged, English as a second language, or uh, learning disability.
0: I'm taking psychology A-level and it's so important that children have rest and play and reassurance and praise, you know. And if you're stressing about SATs, then you know, that takes away from what's actually kind of really important at that age. Do you think that exams, because that's that's the main way that we assess Mm -hmm. intelligence these days, really, do you think that exams are a fair way of assessing intelligence?
1: It's difficult because, I mean, what other methods are there? You can do coursework, um, but then at younger years, how much will you get teacher help from that and help from outside? And is it that much of a fair assessment of the child or a fair assessment of what the resources the child had available to them to help them with their coursework if that makes sense yeah so it's difficult because I think it depends on the stakes of the tests rather than tests in themselves like tests can be fine if you're not stressed about it and they don't have a massive impact on your life like we do like buzzfeed quizzes You could see those as tests, but they're not high stress. It's when it's high stress that it has the negative impact. Because testing can be really fair if you give the same test to the whole population, regardless of what they've had available to them. Then you could say that it's a very fair way to test pupils.
0: I, I don't think that they are a good way of testing really but like you said what yeah. other way is there to do you know a lot of subjects especially at a level do you have coursework in them as well which as much mm-hmm. as I kind of hate coursework I think it's, <laughs> it's better than if the entire a yeah. level or subject was based on an end exam for sure for sure I'm um, sat here with like three thousand words of coursework to write but yeah yeah <laughs> There was this... He's not like a poet, but he does videos and things where he writes sort of poetry slash speech on the troubles of the world. He's quite popular. Prince EA video that I'm looking at right now has 26 yeah. million views oh my word yeah there's one he did on education and it's really powerful first of all one of the things that he talked about in it was he gave comparisons of what different products and things looked like a hundred years ago and what they look mm-hmm. like today so like cars are so much different oh today no, I have everybody. seen this yeah yeah, it's yeah, so yeah yeah but then he gives a picture of a school and it's like pretty much exactly the same right yeah no I have seen and this that's yeah. when you're like sis there is something like, like this Fair point bad yeah point. but he makes the point in it he says you can't judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree mm-hmm. and when talking about exams i think that that's really poignant because people learn in different ways and people mm-hmm. display their knowledge in different ways i don't think it's very fair to use like just exams to assess everyone you know yeah I definitely get what you're saying people like are able to deal with it in such different ways and you're trained from a young age in in secondary school and like with SATs and whatnot Mm -hmm. to do everything in a very very certain specific way and I'm not really sure with other countries school systems and whatnot but in this country you have especially at GCSEs and at A level you have so many exams and they're very very high exams, so very very stressful exams mm-hmm. and they are very very content heavy as well and you're True. taught exactly What the exam board wants and what's gonna get you marks. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter if that's not how you structure things in your own life. It it doesn't matter. It's how you get the marks. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you're a slow writer or if you know your mind works differently. How you're gonna get marks is by doing it this very very specific Mm. way. And this Mm -hmm. is how you need to learn it. This is how you need to do it. And if you can't do it that way, tough luck. You're not gonna get. You're not gonna get the grades. I hate that so so much I've been told by so many teachers across my life you don't write enough you're not writing enough this is like you need to be faster but I'm like I I can't write any faster I'm a slow reader I'm a slow writer that is as much as I can give you I literally tried my hardest and every single teacher is like you're not writing enough and I'm like I don't know what else to write it's really really frustrating I really don't deal well under pressure as well. I work best when I can sort of do it myself and have my own time and my own environment. Yeah. I definitely do best when I can do it on my own terms for exams. It's completely not on your own terms. I know. It's, <laughs> everything is not on your own terms. It's it's not ideal.
1: I remember at the beginning of GCSE and it was the English paper they were teaching us. And I don't know if you remember, but English language paper one, I think. And it had this statement at the end of the paper. It was like question five. And then you basically had to write about the statement about the text that you just read. Right. Do you remember that question? No. And I remember my teacher saying, like, just agree with the statement. Even if you don't agree with the statement in your head, just agree with it. And that's how you get the marks. And that's how you get the test, the right. grades, even. And I remember I was livid at that. I had this full ass argument with, um, with my English teacher about it and and just like what you were saying about you have to answer things how they want them to for you to be to get the grades and then be seen as intelligent Mm. I feel that's such like a a wrong way of doing things and the thing is you can get angry at the teachers but it's not the teacher's fault yeah it's it's not their fault (laughs) it's the system
0: it's the system's fault and again my my geography teacher was talking about this the the other day that the reason why Michael Gove decided to favorite man (sighs) (laughs) the reason why he decided to up the stakes of exams why they're so much more content heavy now than they used to be yeah is because as a country we were looking at the productivity of other countries and especially Mm -hmm. China and the government went we need to be as productive as them and as smart as them." we need to compete yeah we need to compete and the only way to do that is to up you Know up our stakes
1: and seem up like a smarter, a better situation. Singapore is actually really interesting. And in this, sorry, links back to my EPQ. But Singapore has this like reputation for being super high stakes, like massive cutoffs. Uh, they're like year six system they have instead of SATs they had PSLE which was more content than we, maths and English Um, and you had if you didn't get good enough grade it would affect which school you went to so they had this super high stakes system but um, recently but they've made this change so that the tests are no longer going to be the traditional high stakes which we know and love and they're changing to the ALP system which is applied learning program so that right. you have to learn to work collaboratively with people <laughs> um, and it's less about what grades you get at the end it's more about how much you learn through trying and failing and trying and failing oh I love the that. big issue they had yeah the big issue they had was that kids would come out of school but all they could do was recite books textbooks and regurgitate Mm -hmm. them back at you like they couldn't apply what they learn to the real real world situations and i think that is a massive problem we're going to face if we're going to have all these jobs all the jobs which you get told what to do when you do are going to be erased by machines Then we need to get better at having people with who are thinking outside of the box and have that creativity and at the moment we don't have a system that supports that so this alp system was their way of trying to give their kids these skills that they can then bring into the working world which i found very interesting
0: yeah see one of the things i never really understood about school was when we would learn things that seemed completely unimportant to our yeah. lives, like it was Pythagoras' theorem never used it yeah in secondary school a lot of people you know don't know what they're going to do with their life at that time and that's perfectly okay but for me i knew that i really liked drama and music and i knew that that's what i wanted to do but i was forced to do science science subjects and subjects that i Mm. just and no matter how much you try and teach them to me they're just not going to go in my head (laughs) um and so it was things like dissecting a sheep's heart or like all of the stupid things that i was like i know i'm never never gonna use this in my life Mm. and some teachers are like well you you can't say that like i've used maths in my life yeah you've used maths in your life but (laughs) (laughs) it's not you're not going to use like all of these quadratic equations and stuff yeah unless you're going into a career uh, path. it's there's so much stuff that you learn that you don't need but there's also so much stuff that we don't learn that we do need to be honest I'm 17 years old and I have no idea what a mortgage is it's got something <laughs> to do with houses but I honestly I don't know what, what it mean. is we need to be learning social skills Yeah, I think I can't remember what the statistics were people in unis are dealing so much worse with social skills and cooking skills mm. and things like that so much worse than they were doing years ago just because at school, we're learning these things that that we're really not going to need. need. We need to be learning mm-hmm. social skills and how to talk to
1: people and how to look after yourself and how to work as a team. Exactly. Going to an all-girls school, I've never had to work collaboratively. Colla- I can't <laughs> say it collaboratively <laughs> with a male before. And I was thinking about this, and I'm like, oh my word! I'm going to get to uni and be like, how do you work with one of them? <laughs> <laughs> <Or> <laughs> it's so bad. It's so. But like working oh. as a team. And learning how to do that and how to be, how to listen to each other is so something we need in our society right now, which we just don't have. This gets me so riled up. And Mm. I I know in my year group, like I'm probably one of the people who like if I'm in a project, I'm one of the people who's like, okay, let's do this, this and this. And I'm not great at listening. I, I will admit But it's not like there's a subject where you learn how to truly listen to other people and to debate healthily rather than argue. Mm. I feel like listening is such a skill that this society doesn't have and it really, really needs. Especially in America with like everything that went on in the election. I know, I was
0: just about to talk about this. Uh, Great minds. I know. Have you seen those graphs of comparing what different groups of people, what the election would have looked like across all the states? Yes. There's one that is If non-educated white men voted, it was pretty much all Trump, right? Yeah. What colour was Trump? Trump was red, wasn't he? Red, red, yeah. It was like all red. And then Mm -hmm. if it was if it was um educated white men, then it was like a little bit more blue, you know, but still majority red. And then it it did women, and it was I think it was mostly blue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then it's like if it was all people of colour or African American people, Mm -hmm. then it was like all blue. It was all blue. Oh my goodness. I'm yeah. so so happy that Trump did not win. The only good thing that happened in 2020, I know, but still, the the amount of people that did vote for Trump is so so shocking.
1: It's it, shocking, it, he yeah. He
0: did lose, but millions of people did, and I do not understand it. I think
1: they have in America. If you're like in a certain state, say you're in a Bible Belt, you have this echo chamber of like Republican Trump, Trump and they in there and it's in their education education systems too it's not like they go to school and they hear lots of different points of views they hear like fundamentalist christianity republican america like that's all they learn about. Yeah. And I think that's so damaging to their mindsets and it affects how they vote and it affects the country. Education. Of course, we've touched on this a little bit. It has it has a very
0: strong impact on mental health. And Definitely. Um I don't think we should talk about this for too long because we've been going for quite a while. Some Scandinavian countries, I can't remember which one. I think it's I think it's Norway, I don't know. They they start the school day at like 10. Um so can actually get a good amount of sleep. <laughs> Imagine. I know. And (laughs) they don't have homework. And they're like, I think they have more days off during the week. So that sounds all fine and dandy. Lovely. But the thing is, they're doing really well. Their students are doing really well. Internationally, they're up there.
1: Isn't it like Finland has the happiest population? Uh, Probably something like that. Despite having like uh, being a super northern country where it's like dark most of the time. Exactly. And I just, why aren't we following that
0: example?
1: We're doing so many things wrong.
0: <laughs> if they're performing really well, while also having more time off. and A happy a- population. Yeah, a happier
1: population.
0: Why aren't we yeah. following that example, you know?
1: Yeah. I think it's like back to that high stakes thing. I don't know how high stakes tests are in... Scandinavia but like there's so high stakes here that you can't help putting your worth into the grades that you get and it's so weird like it's literally a piece of paper and I'm defining how I feel about myself off of this piece of paper and that's so damaging yeah at
0: the private school that i went to they're very very high stakes and if you're not getting a's and a stars then you why are why do you exist Madeline? exactly you're literally <laughs> pretty much a failure and that's definitely for the benefit of the school because a very serious and competitive school um it's named one of the best in the country and mm-hmm. so obviously they're going to put that pressure on the students to do well so that the school can still look well but yeah. It was so, so difficult throughout that, and even now still, to tell myself that if I get a C or a B, that's still pretty good. Like, if I'm not getting A's, that's okay. That's okay, yeah.
1: Imagine. (laughs) It's very, very difficult to understand that a B is still a pretty good grade. Do you expect us to learn all of this stuff and figure out who we are as human beings? what we prioritise in life as human beings. And then we have to think about our future career, which we might not even have because like global warming and we might all just burn and die. But (laughs) that's a whole nother thing we have to think about. Uh, And I think having such high stakes at such a crucial age for developing who you are is kind of a backward way to think about it. Do you know what the word is? It's just such a kerfuffle. (laughs) Kerfuffle. I love that.
0: It is, it is. Do you have... A final piece of advice to leave with.
1: Your, uh, mm, let me think. <laughs> oh, okay, this would be my advice to like a younger version of me or to anyone, basically. Your worth is like not in your grades. You're worth so much more than your grades. And I wish I could, be- I like believed that when I was younger, but your, your worth is not in your grade or academic achievement. Your worth is in who you are as a person. And that would be my advice. Kind of cheesy, but true. Not cheesy. Very,
0: very good advice, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah quality (laughs) advice quality
0: cheese yeah thank you very much robin slash (laughs) emily thank you for having me and thank you for listening next week i'm joined by another guest we're talking about christmas yay tell your friends tell your family tell your second cousins tell your cat this has been hey let's talk about with Madalena larkin i hope you have a wonderful week